So I'm here with Buck Martinez. You'll be calling the game? Yeah, we're calling okay. all 12 in Japan. Okay. Yeah. Can you uh, tell me a little bit about who you like out of this pool and why? Cuba looks like they're the most powerful team. Um, they, they took batting practice last couple of days. They look like a major league club. Cepeda's a tremendous hitter. Uh, Rayu's a very powerful hitter. They've got talent and veteran guys that have been there before. But I tell you, the team that's kind of interesting is Brazil. They played so well in the qualifier, and they have some quality pitching. And, you know, they played Japan in the first game, and Japan doesn't have a traditionally powerful team. And it'll be interesting to see how Brazil plays against Japan, and they might become the surprise of this whole tournament. What are Japan's chances of repeating? Uh, I think they're good. I mean... <clears throat> You have Tanaka starting in game one, and you've got Mehta starting in game two, and they're major league pitchers, basically. Tanaka outpitched Darvish and uh, Iwakuma the last couple of years, and I think the big thing about uh, Tanaka is he wants to go to the States, and this is his year. And uh, if he pitches well again this year, he'll probably follow you, Darvish, to the major leagues. And from everything I've seen, everything I've read, I've not seen him pitch in person, but he sounds as though he's uh, equal to you, Darvish. Thanks a lot. I know you're pressed for time. I got a little something for you. Hold on one sec. Okay. Uh, we'll be around every day if you need anything. Hello, everybody. This is Philip Riccobono with Coming to America Baseball.com podcast. Uh, you just listened to Buck Martinez. I uh, spoke with him right before the World Baseball Classic got started in Japan uh, some two weeks ago. That was in Fukuoka. Uh, we chatted in the lobby of the Hilton right next to the Fukuoka Dome. Um, and saw a great game right after that. Japan narrowly es- escaped uh, getting upset by Brazil. Uh, Brazil did not make it to the next round, but uh, they had some pretty good games there and showed some good stuff. Uh, today, Jason Koskri from MLB, MLB.com and the Japan Times shortly. Um, I apologize, there's some clicking in the audio, but uh, it's much improved from last week. And I want to remind you, you can... Catch all the podcasts on iTunes and, of course, at www.comingtoamericabaseball.com where we'll have all our podcasts there and some articles. Right now, I'm going to welcome in Jason Koskri, who is at AT&T Park in San Francisco. Jason, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. Jason, it's been uh, a hell of a two weeks for Japan. Uh, they were up against the ropes a couple of times and. The first game with um, Brazil, and then a little bit later on when Taiwan came in to Tokyo. Take us through the first two weeks. What's it been like covering it? Uh, it's been pretty hectic, you know. They they played some really tough games, some really close games. I mean, Japan, in the first round, Japan kind of played down to the opposition. They played down to Brazil, and they played down to China, and pretty much almost lost those games. And just did not look good against Cuba, and they were a totally different team in the second round, which had the very ex- really exciting game against Taiwan to start the second round off, and they just absolutely blasted the Netherlands twice to to uh, win the group. So it's been a pretty roller coaster ride. They've, it's been a Jekyll and Hyde kind of team from the first round to the second round. So it's been fun to watch them at least. Jason, you're basically living the dream. You're you're following baseball. You're following Team Japan. Um, I'm envious. Can you take us through what it's like for you? I mean, anyone could read the newspapers and see what Team Japan's doing. Um, but what's it like for you on the road doing this? 
Well, I mean, I'm not, I wasn't sleeping very much for the first couple of rounds because I was covering every, I was covering every game, not just the Japanese game. So I was doing every game, every practice, random preview for every game and every practice. So yeah, it was, it's been a pretty hectic couple of weeks. Jason, uh, things didn't go as planned today for Team Japan in their practice. They were supposed to practice 11 o'clock uh, Pacific time on Saturday, but they didn't wind up uh, practicing until the evening. Could you talk about that? Well, yeah, I mean, we, we got the notice this morning that they pushed their practice back. They actually just got finished practicing about mm, 15 minutes ago or so. So, yeah, then they lost their, their luggage and stuff got delayed because of the weather in San Francisco so they got in because the team was actually already here but if their stuff wasn't able to get here but they got here they practiced after the Netherlands practiced so they've done they got in about two hours of practice in the cold weather which some of the guys are saying this it might actually be a little bit better because they get to practice in the type of weather that they're going to have to play in tomorrow especially since Japan hasn't played in any kind of weather yet. We're in domes for the first two rounds, and then it was like 90 degrees in Arizona when they were there, I heard. So this is going to be their first taste of any kind of weather. Jason, for you, up and personal with the team, uh, watching every game, what has been the defining moment for this team? I mean, they've, they've pulled some uh, pretty exciting, they've done some pretty exciting things. What's the defining moment? Um, I think for me, it, it Beat Toritani stealing second with two outs in the, in the top of the ninth against Taiwan because if he doesn't make it in, then they're done. You know, they lose that game, and who knows what happens. And Ibarra's, Ibarra's hit, I would put right up there. I guess I would tie. It would be a tie for me. Ibarra's hit, Toritani still knows that same game because, I mean, that's just skin of the teeth stuff there because, I mean, First off, to be bold enough to go in that situation, and he he barely made it in the second. I mean, the game's over if he doesn't get in the second, and the game's over if Ibada, who's down to two strikes, if he doesn't line a ball in the center field. So that's that. And since then, they've been just playing with all kinds of confidence, either even in that game. So that would be the defining moment for me. It'd be Toritani's steal and Ibada's hit in the ninth inning against Taiwan or Chinese Taipei. Yeah, what did you hear? Did uh, Tortani have the green light, or uh, they sent him there? Uh, he he had the green light to go if he if he thought he could make it. Yeah, I agree. That was a defining moment for this team in the tournament. Um, very exciting. Uh, let's talk about the the vibe on this team and the the climate, the atmosphere around the clubhouse. Has it changed a lot since the last WBC? I mean, you you don't have Darvish, you don't have Ichiro. Uh, you've got a lot a lot of younger guys like Tanaka, 24 years old. It's it's a different vibe, just maybe because Ichiro isn't here. It's there. They're a little more loose. They seem more loose. I mean, the guys have, you know, they they they're under the pressure, but they've they've done it before. Now, not necessarily in the WBC, but these guys have all been through some battles before. And I don't think Ichiro and those other guys being here has much of a has changed the dynamic that much because a lot of those guys were veteran players, so you're going to have a different dynamic anyway because a lot of the guys on this team are younger. You know, Abe's a different kind of leader than Ichiro was. He's not as vocal as Ichiro was, or not as demonstrative, I should say, as Ichiro was. He's vocal, just not as demonstratively so. 
You know, I uh, went to the first game against Brazil and sat with the scouts, the MLB scouts in the stands. Um, and Masahiro Tanaka, a lot of hype. Uh, as you, heard, you, you hear earlier in my interview with Buck Martinez, uh, it was comparing him to Darvish. Didn't live up to it there. And actually, one uh, NL scout told me, you know, he just quite frankly wasn't impressed and, and had to write a report on him, and it wasn't really going to be a good one going back to his team. But then I checked in with him after the Cuba game, and uh, he said that his stock had gone up. And then, of course, uh, he pitched pretty good against Taiwan, too. So can you talk about Tanaka? Well, he, had a, he had a bad first game. He was, maybe he was a little bit too amped up, and he was, well, didn't have any kind of control over his stuff. He was The Brazil game was just he was bad, and he didn't, didn't really have a chance to turn it around. I mean, Yamamoto yanked him early, and rightfully so, because in the, in the one game, in a you know a tournament like this, you you can't let a guy get in too much, dig him too deep of a hole for himself. But uh, he turned it around in the second game, and he pitched well in the second round. It's just he hasn't been able to put three really good innings together yet. He ha- he'd have two good innings, and then he you know he implode in either the first thing he's in or the last inning he's in. But um, I think a lot of guys, a lot of the scouts around that I've spoken to after the first round and after the second round. He's, people were they're impressed with his split, impressed with his slider, you know. And once he once he got his off speed stuff and his breaking stuff going, that kinda pulled his fastball in and he got himself into a rhythm and he's pitching really well. It's just that first game probably clouded a lot of vision of him because that's everyone was waiting to see him pitch and he came out and had just a a very erratic performance in that first game. I mean, even in the first inning, he pitched in the second game, but he's been pretty good since then, save for that. He had a bad inning against Taiwan, his third inning out there. Has the focus shifted from um, Masahiro Tanaka to Maeda uh, by the scouts? Um, Maeda has certainly stepped up uh, much more than Tanaka. Well, people, people knew about Maeda a bit. I mean... Obviously, the the focus is going to shift to him a bit now because he's pitched so well thus far. I mean, he's been he's been Japan's best pitcher. He's probably going to start tomorrow. It'd be kind of surprising if he didn't. But yeah, everybody, you know, the, everyone's going to look at him and see what he's going to be able to do. And this is, you know, the Carp haven't really been very good lately. So this is going to probably be the most important game he's ever pitched in. So he's going to get the pitch against, uh, you know, not a Japanese team with some nerves, with some weather and cold. So it's going to be a pretty good test to see what he can do. So I think a lot of people are going to be watching to see him pitching in an environment he's probably never pitched in before. Let's talk about uh, Yamamoto, the manager of uh, Japan. He recently worked for um, NHK in the in the booth as a uh, color commentator. Um, yet he's really like tight-lipped, uh, as you pointed out in Facebook, and doesn't say much. And for you, uh, how is it dealing with that in terms of your job? But it's always going to be difficult when you, you have a guy like Yamamoto, which is it's kind of surprising since he is in, in TV. He's in TV. But, um, yeah, he, it, it's kind of difficult. You just have to pretty much take what you can get. But um, the weird thing about the Japan team is that Yamamoto doesn't talk that much, but, you know, Tatsunami's a really smart guy. You can talk to him. Nashida is, you know, he's a very smart guy. He, he'll, he'll talk to you. So a lot of the coaches are very vocal, and you can catch them. It's just Yamamoto. <laughs> okay.
Okay, so Japan will face Puerto Rico uh, in the semifinal, and on the other side will be the Dominican and um, Netherlands. Anyhow, did you get a chance to talk to uh, Japan about the matchup with Puerto Rico? It was a while ago before they got here. They they didn't really talk about them at all. So they were more focused on what they had to do and their own performances. They didn't really talk about Puerto Rico at all. They never even brought it up, actually. Can I get a prediction from you? What do you think Japan will do against Puerto Rico? I, ex I would expect Japan to win tomorrow. And, you know, the Dominicans are a strong team. Depending on what kind of pitching Japan gets, I'd expect them to beat them as well. But and then the, Japan's played the Netherlands twice, and it's extremely hard to beat a team three times in a row. So that that would be a, a pretty interesting matchup if they got the Netherlands again in the final, provided they beat Puerto Rico. But, I mean, if I, if I had to guess, I'd, I'd give Japan the nod now because I think their pitching is probably better than the other three teams. Okay, so when USA out and probably most of America not caring about this tournament at this point or probably didn't care about it much at all before, um, you've got uh, Hen Hensley Newlands on the Netherlands side who's a coach for the Giants in familiar surroundings. Um, are, are you finding that, you know, Americans now who are going to be, you know, coming to the games, they have tickets, are they uh, pulling now more for the Netherlands or have they taken Puerto Rico on? Uh, I mean... Puerto Rico's got Angel Pagan, who actually plays for the Giants. So, you know, I think it's probably it probably can go both ways. I think they'll they should both have some decent fan support. Maybe the Mulan people love an underdog, so the Netherlands will have their fans, and Mulan's is there, and Puerto Rico, you know, and I'm sure they've got a lot of fans, and then Angel Pagan may get some of the Giant supporters in on his side. So. And I mean, if I had to guess, I'd say maybe maybe the Netherlands, just because, you know, Americans tend to love an underdog story. You know, I talked to Nino um, about 12 hours ago, and we talked about the USA team. And he said, you know, the USA team is just a shell of the talent that really can go out there. Uh, and that's because a lot of MLB clubs deter their players from actually going on the Team USA. Um, how about the NPB teams? I mean, uh, are they a little bit more... Uh, flexible or actually excited to send their players? It's a little different. They're not, you know, they're not, I don't think they're jumping for joy, but I don't think they're as active in deterring their players as the major league player, major league teams are. I mean, if you see, look at the team, they pretty much got everybody they wanted. So the few guys that they didn't get was mostly, mostly because of injuries, but most of the guys they wanted, they got. Well, from the MPB teams, Darvish and Ichiro are MLB, so they, it's a little bit different. But MPB doesn't put up as much resistance as MLB clubs do. Jason, what about uh, Team USA uh, versus Team Japan? Does, does, it, does it seem like it's a little bit more at stake or a little bit more national pride for <coughs> excuse me, most of the Japanese players? Uh, whereas USA, yeah, they get guys who are definitely excited and pumped up to play. But... It seems like it's harder to find those guys opposed to J Japanese guys. Well, I think I think it probably means the same thing to them as it meant to the guys who were playing for the U.S. team. The Japanese team didn't really get its top guys either. Or the major leaguers turned them down. So I think the, the I think the American guys who played really really cared about it and they just didn't win. And I think then you see Brandon Phillips' comments were just you know he was devastated by that loss. And I think. 
you know, guys care, and I think the Japanese guys would probably say exactly the same thing. You know, they really want to do their best for their country, and I think the Japanese team has a little bit, a little bit of a chip on its shoulder. That you want, you want to prove that you know we can do this without our major league players. All right, Jason, what's the latest with the team right now, and uh, what are you going to be working on um, your next story, and just kind of kind of bring us up to speed with the team, where the team's at right now. Got out of practice. I've uh, talked to Jerickson Profar earlier today, so probably something on the Japan team, something on Jerickson Profar, and maybe a story about the Netherlands in the next, well, probably tomorrow, actually. So that'll probably all be out tomorrow. Jerickson Profar, a big prospect, may take over for Elvis Andrews. Where can the fans reach you, um, Jason? Uh, my Twitter is at jcoskreese, C-O-S-K-R-U-I. So that's probably the quickest, easiest, cleanest way. Well, Jason, I uh, really appreciate you coming on. He's on the ground at AT&T Park in San Francisco covering uh, the Japanese team as well as the World Baseball Classic for the Japan Times. He's also written for MLB.com. My friend, Jason Koskri, thank you. Have a good day. <laughs> Thanks. Take care. You too. Bye. All right, that's going to do it for this week. I uh, just want to make one note. I'm saddened by uh, Team USA uh, not even making it to the semifinals. I think in four years, um, we have to get a beefier roster. Um, first and foremost, the tops, the studs have to show up. Verlander, Kershaw, Kane. Um, I know that Kershaw, you know, had wanted to show up to Dodgers camp healthy, and he um, also was probably deterred by the Dodgers. I think he mentioned that. But, hey, come on. Let's get this thing going. Let's learn something from Korea and Japan who put um, their best in-country guys out there. Yeah, Jason mentioned the MLB guys aren't going from Japan, and the same with Korea, and that's because of the clubs. But uh, MLB owners, MLB GMs, let's get an agreement here, and let's get, you know, let's, let's bring it home already. With that, I'm going to sign off before I ramble. Thanks a lot. This is a uh, ComingToAmericaBaseball.com podcast. Uh, special thanks to Buck Martinez for um, giving me a short interview at um, the hotel right next to Fukuoka Dome, the Hilton in the lobby. And, of course, Jason Koskri, Japan Times, and did some work from LB.com. Uh, from South Korea, where it's starting to warm up, and KBO is right around the corner. Uh, my name is Philip Riccobono. Take care. Thanks.